And we've been going over a sermon series. What's the name of the series? Ooh, you guys is good. Drip. Yep, Adam's going to wrap this series up for us tonight. So let's uh, give our attention, our hearts, and our minds settled on the Word of God tonight. And let's pray for this amazing man. Let me check his notes out, make sure he's good. I don't know, I can't read his writing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's pray for him. God, thank you so much, this man who loves you so much and loves these students. I just pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just pour through him into our hearts as we listen to your word. And God, help us to apply it to our hearts. Thank you so much for what you're doing in him and through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. What's up, guys? So so I want to encourage all of you, come next week, bring your friends with you. Next week's our Christmas party. It's the last youth night we've got this year. Okay, after that, we're taking a two-week break. We'll be meeting in after until next year, right? So next week is the last week. That's all you get, right? No more after that. Next week, hopefully, most of the construction will be done. So as you know, we're remodeling the auditorium. That's why we couldn't be in here last week. The stage is almost done. There's going to be a big LED screen going up there and some other stuff with speakers and all this stuff happening. So hopefully most of that will be done next week. We should have a normal service next week out with this kind of thing. But having said that, didn't the worship team absolutely kill it with the acoustic set tonight, right? Really, amazing job, amazing job. Uh, so incredibly life-giving. I know some of you may be visiting with us or guests with us and... Uh, uh, it's a bit different. Maybe you're not seeing. Maybe you're not used to seeing other students actually who love Jesus, uh, who aren't pretending to love Jesus, but actually love Jesus, who worship passionately. Uh, we figured if you can love passionately, you can worship passionately. And I know you love passionately because all of you guys and girls out there are chasing each other all over the place. You love and passionately, right? So I know you can love Jesus passionately. Okay. So, so we like doing that on Wednesday nights. We love to worship and engage. And uh, next week's going to be great. We'll have the full band with the brand new sound system and a big thing up there. Something I don't know what's happening on the new stage. It'll be great next week. Lots of fun. Um, for the Junior High Connect, make sure junior hires, you have to sign up, okay? So don't just rock up here on the Friday night. You need to sign up. There's a little QR code out on the TV somewhere in the little slides. Or ask your small group leader. They'll get you, make sure you signed up. But sign up for Friday night. Um, yeah, so we're doing the Drip series. It's been pretty great. It's the last one tonight, the last piece of Ephesians, and we're going to do some uh, new stuff next year. Oh, the other thing was Immerse. You need, Immerse is more than halfway full, okay? Immerse is more than halfway full already, so if you want to go to Immerse, you need to sign up because you have to go through an interview process as well, right? Uh, Immerse is in February, the weekend of the 18th, that weekend in February. You need to make sure you sign up. It's for junior high and high school both, all right? Um, but we definitely want to see you there, but you do need to sign up and go through the interview process to make sure we're good to go for the weekend. Um, turn to your Bibles, Ephesians 6, 17. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. So tonight is interesting because tonight we're actually looking at the Bible itself. You know, we normally talk from the Bible. We speak from the Bible. We share truths from the Scripture. We talk about things the Bible says and teaches us and encourages us. But tonight we're actually talking about the Bible itself, that the Bible is actually talking about itself tonight. And I find that always good because oftentimes when we come to know Jesus or we're in this journey of faith, we don't put much credibility into this thing called the Bible. It's just an old, dusty book to a lot of us. It's just something that we have in our houses. We don't really read it or touch it much, right? We all have these cool new Bibles that look leather and all that kind of stuff and all these fancy versions, but we don't really do much with these things, okay? We just kind of sit around our house. We might bring it on Sunday if we're lucky. Actually, most of us might even have this. Most of us might just have this now. We call a phone, actually a Bible on there. Right? And we just flip through the Bible. It's so easy. Like if I say, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, they're gone to the days, like back in the day, like back in the day, my day, like Ephesians, where is that? It's here somewhere. Where is it? Okay, wait, no, it's this way. It says, oh, wait, that's it. It takes you 10 minutes to find the place. Now it's Ephesians chapter 6. You type it in, think, it goes there for you. Okay? Does a lot of the, all the work for you, but a lot of your Bibles are on the phones now, which is great. 
But again, do we use it? Is it actually making any difference in your life, or is it just another book to read? Do you know, I was fascinated this last week because I found out that there's a whole group of people that read Harry Potter as a religious text. Exactly. I was like, what? They read and study Harry Potter like a religious book, like the Bible. And they say they can learn from it. And Harry Potter speaks to them. I'm like, dude, you do know it's fantasy, right? Okay. You do know a lady wrote this thing, right? Okay. It was like, but there's a whole group of people around the world that meet regularly and study Harry Potter like studying the Bible. How weird is that? But I thought, then I thought, wait a minute. If they're that passionate about a fiction book, about a book that really doesn't change people's lives, about a book that has no power, no spirit behind it, no life in it whatsoever. If they are that serious, how much more serious should we be about actually reading the real Bible? The Bible that has life, the Bible that carries power in it, the Bible that changes our lives and transforms us and changes us, the Bible that actually carries, the Scripture tells us, the breath of God, the Word of God. How much more serious should we be about that? And so tonight in Ephesians chapter 6, we look at this verse here. Says this, the very last part, uh, 617. This is the very last we're talking about the armor of God, right? And we've gone through the different, all the armor pieces and what the armor pieces do and how it protects you and keeps you safe. But this is one of what we call the offensive pieces. It's the word of the Spirit or the Bible, okay? This is what we fight with, okay? Says this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That simple little part. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So if you did like, if you're like, you grew up in church and you did like VBS and Bible school and all that kind of stuff, and you sing those, those little songs like, the sword of the spirit is the word, the sword of the spirit, exactly, yeah. right, you know, and you know, these little swords, you play swords of the Bible, okay, right, we do sword drills back in the old days, right, sword drills, ooh, pull the sword out, whooshing, didn't make the noise though, I mean, you do that for some reason, right, but the picture is that the scripture is a sword, it's an offensive weapon, it's an offensive weapon. Now, if I came up here tonight and actually had a sword, okay, and I said to you, this sword can change your life. Here, let me stab you. <laughs> you would be kind of like, hey, dude, chill out, okay? I know you're getting old and senile. Easy, okay? Take it easy. But a sword has an has a authority it carries with it, doesn't it? A sword has a power it carries just because we know it can harm us. It can literally change your life. And back in the day, the Roman soldiers carried the sword. The only thing they had to fight with was a sword. And they carried the sword with them to specifically fight and defend themselves. That's why they had the sword, was to fight and defend themselves. I, I haven't been in many fights in my life. I've been in a few, but not many, okay? I was a small guy most of my life. I'm not the biggest guy now. And there's wisdom happens when you're a smaller guy, right? Wisdom is talk your way out. Don't fight your way out, okay? <laughs> and so I learned that really early on in life. But I have one of my best friends. His name is Brooke. Uh, Brooke lived right behind us down a dirt road lived right behind us we played together every day I was like I was about 9, 10 years old and we played at his house and played at my house and played at his house and lots of sand forts we made and shooting BB guns killing army soldiers you know little plastic ones right and then uh, one day I was at his house I don't even remember what we were doing but we were joking around doing something and we had pencils out I don't know what it was but he dropped the pencil on the floor when he dropped it I was on the other side of the room he said Adam pick that up like, no, you dropped it. It's over there by you. You pick it up. It's your pencil. No, you need to pick it up. I said, I'm not picking up the stupid pencil. It's your pencil. You dropped it. You pick it up. I said, pick it up now. What are you going to do about it, Brooke? <laughs> My nine-year-old self. Okay. <laughs> now, what I forgot to mention to you is that at nine years old, I was probably about this big, and Brooke was about as big as me. Okay. Brooke was a big boy. He looked like he was this big to me. That's all I know, okay? He was big like this. He was my best friend. It was good to have a best friend like that around sometimes, okay? But at this point, I was sizing things up. Brooke is getting aggressive. 
He's telling me to pick up the pencil or else. I was like, what are you going to do about it? Okay? And my nine-year-old had a sarcastic self. Had no idea what was I actually thinking. What was I thinking standing up to Brooke in that moment? But I did. I stood up to him. I said, Brooke, I'm not going to do it. He said, get over here and do it. I'm not doing it. He goes over, he grabs me by the back of my neck and pulls me towards the, 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 where the pencil is and pushes me down and says, pick it up now. I was like, I'm not going to pick it up. I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and he said, pick it up now. I, I'm not. And I got so mad. I remember I just like, ah, I turned around and went, boom. <laughs> not, boom. He fell back. He's like, what'd you do? I said, I hit you. And I walked out the door. <laughs> and as I'm, as I'm running home, <laughs> I'm running home, like, it's going to kill me. He said, I'm going to tell my mom. And I remember stopping going, will you tell your mom? And I keep on running. <laughs> that was, that was a, one of my first fights. And I learned in that moment something important about fighting. The important thing about fighting is you got to be ready. In the moment, you got to be ready. Because if I hadn't been ready in that moment, Brooke was going to pummel me. <laughs> he would have smashed me. He would have put me flat on the floor. I was looking at some YouTube videos this afternoon, trying to, think of, trying to find some funny fight videos, you know, something we could show tonight. It's been a bit hard with the projector and all this stuff tonight, so we couldn't do it. But one of the videos I saw was like an old school MMA fight, okay? An old school MMA fight. And there was a guy uh, on the old school MMA fight. MMA is mixed martial arts fighting, right? And there was a guy in there about six foot six. 636 pounds. He's the largest known athlete to ever compete. Six foot six, 600 pounds. He was fighting a little guy about my height, about my height, 110 pounds. Because back in the day with mixed martial arts, when they first started, weight classes didn't matter. You could fight anybody. And so for about three minutes, this guy's just running around the cage, like, you need to catch me, you catch me, okay? This is a big guy, just lumbering, boom. Goom, goom, right? And every time he came by him, he was swinging like this, and the guy would duck and miss, right? And back and forth, back and forth. And what I realized very quickly is this guy wasn't really ready to fight somebody that big. He wasn't ready. And even the announcers kept saying, man, if this guy, if he just falls on him, that's it, this fight's over. He could crush him just by falling on him. He doesn't do anything, just fall on him, and the fight's over. And this little guy's running around, running around, and finally, like, I'm watching this video, I'm fast-forwarding, fast-forwarding, it's four, four, three minutes, then the second round's three minutes, then the third round's three minutes, I'm like, dude, it's just running around the whole time, nothing's happening, you swing every once in a while. And the very end of the third round, it's like coming to the end of the fight, this guy realized he's got to do something to make this fight win, and he went from, I'm, I'm, moving, I'm trying to, 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 to stay away from this guy, to actually, I'm ready to fight him now. And he jumped in, he started punching, started punching, and he clipped him with just one punch, and when he clipped him with one punch, the guy staggered a bit. And then this small, tiny guy went up to the 636-pound man and grabbed his leg. I'm like, what are you doing? He's 636 pounds. He grabs his leg. This big guy picks him up, boom, slams it on the ground. And when he slams it, he falls on top of him, but just his legs. And now he's screaming. He's trying to get out. He's punching and punching and punching, trying to get him out. And eventually he gets out a little bit and hits him one time in the face. And the big guy on the floor, there is, flat on the floor. He can't do anything. He taps out because he's bleeding now, right? He quit. Pretty, pretty brutal in the end. But it was almost nine minutes of nothing happening because this little short guy wasn't ready to fight someone like this. You've got to be ready to fight. You've got to be ready to fight. This scripture here tells us that the word of God is our tool to fight with. This is how we fight. We fight with this and we fight with worship. That's how we fight. We don't fight by screaming and shouting. We don't fight by throwing punches. Okay? We don't fight by running other people down and joking around. We don't fight by making fun of others to make us feel somehow better because we can take pictures of people doing stupid things or doing things we don't agree with and making fun of them, and that makes us feel better somehow. That's not how we fight. 
The scripture says we fight with this. Because this is the only thing that actually has any power. This is the only thing that's going to make any difference in the fights we're in. So there's two things we'll look at real briefly tonight. Two things. First is, what is the Word of God? And second thing, what does it do? Okay, what is the Word of God? So the very first thing, what is the Word of God? The first thing that Scripture tells us that we looked at a moment ago, it says it's of the Spirit. That this Bible we read wasn't just something that a bunch of people wrote. It was actually God breathing His Spirit into this world. That these men, these people that wrote this, stories of men and women all throughout history were captured by people because they were inspired by the Spirit of God in a moment to write something. There's a, there's a great uh, astrophysicist called Hugh Ross. Hugh Ross came to be a believer, came to follow Jesus because he was in college. Somebody shared the gospel of Jesus, shared the good news of Jesus with him. And in sharing the good news, he thought, there's no way this thing can be real. I'm going to read and figure out if this thing's real or not. And read the entire Bible in two months. Over the period of two months, he read the scripture, but then it started, he said it started playing games with his mind and his heart because he read things in the Bible which could not be from humanity, which couldn't come from the mind of a man. He said he read things which, which freaked him out. He read things which were humanly impossible, just couldn't be. And somehow this word, this sword of the Spirit, got inside of him and started to play games with his heart and his mind. His grades for the first time of his life, he was always a top-performing student. He was an astrophysicist, my goodness, right? For the first time in his life, his grades started to go down. He got a C in the class. Exactly. <laughs> he said he got a C. And the day he got a C, he thought, my world's ending. <laughs> like, man, you didn't see me in my life. <laughs> he thought his world was ending. And he said he went back to his room that night. He didn't know anything else to do, but he opened this Bible, and he threw it on the floor. So he threw it on the floor like this. He threw it on the floor, and he said, I don't know if you're real or not. But I know there's something in there which is playing games with me, and it's time to stop. In that moment, he felt God speak to him, believe or don't believe. And he fell flat in his face and wept for hours in his Bible, saying, I believe, I believe. He's now an astrophysicist, got multiple books, got all kinds of books around Scripture, around how the miracles in the Bible, how, how possibly scientifically could happen. How some of the verses we study in Scripture, the only way for those verses to be true, that there must be more than four dimensions of space and time, stuff which blows your mind, right? <laughs> because he said the God's beyond anything we can ask, think, or imagine. The God who wrote this Bible. The Scripture is breathed by the Spirit. And because it's breathed by God himself, it carries authority. It's not just your neighbor speaking, Right? It's not just Tom down the road who had a few drinks one night and said, hey, let's write this. <laughs> this is God speaking. I wonder how many of us here tonight, if we actually believe that God was in this room with us, his presence was here, and was going to verbally speak to us, or he was going to write a letter to us on the wall up there, if we really thought that, how many of us would, our attitudes would be different in the room tonight? Would it change anything? And that's the opportunity we have every single moment of every day with the Bible. To encounter him, to encounter his presence, to encounter him changing your life simply by reading this. Now, I know somebody said, I've tried reading the Bible, I don't understand it. Well, number one, get a version you can understand, okay? You don't have to read thee, thou, though, and this, okay? All right, that's old school language. There's tons of Bibles. There's ESV, English Standard Version, the Good Bible Read. There's the Message Version for telling stories, a great version. There's tons of versions. You need help? Ask your small group leader. We'll get you a good Bible of some kind to read so you can understand it. But then the, the second part to that is you actually have to read it. 
And if you really, really hate reading, you really, maybe, you're, maybe you're really struggling with dyslexia and you just can't read that well. That's okay, too, because there's a whole bunch of apps that will read it to you. <laughs> you can have your bedtime story every night. Somebody reads you the Bible. And the Lord said. He's <laughs> getting in his word because it, was, because it was spoken by him. And there's authority behind it. It's the God who created everything. The creator of the universe. Say, I'm not, I'm not sure there's really authority behind it here. I'm, not, I'm really sure I buy into this whole thing. You know, you all you people in the church space, I'm not sure I'm buying into this. Maybe you go to church regularly, and you're, I'm still not sure I buy into this. Seems pretty old. Matter of fact, the only reason I'm here tonight is because I've got some friends here. That's okay. But I could tell you story after story tonight of God's life encountering people through his word. There was a guy in one of the churches we started in North Carolina a long time ago, Vanessa and I. And uh, we're starting the church there in North Carolina, and we're going for a few months, maybe a year or so, and there was this young guy, about 30 years old, 32, 33 years old. His name was Steve. Steve had Down syndrome, okay? Uh, Steve was living in a special, he was living outside his home, but in a special care-assisted home. So he was living kind of by himself with other people kind of thing, right? Steve came to us one day. We were doing um, baptismal services. We were practicing the Scripture, right? When you become a believer, you follow of Jesus, Scripture says you become baptized as a sign to the world to say, hey, I'm now following Jesus. I'm letting everybody know I'm not perfect, but I'm working towards doing my best to follow Jesus. I'm going to be baptized. And so we're doing a baptism service. We're doing it out in public because we didn't have a pool. We didn't have a nice building or anything. We're still starting the church. So we did it in the, the, the pool of an apartment complex where some of the people who came to our church stayed at. And I remember us getting there, and there's Steve in this pool, this guy we didn't know. But he's in the pool. We'd reserved the pool, but he was in the pool. Like, we're fine. He could swim. We're not doing anything just yet, you know. So he's swimming, but his swimming is kind of like this. He was walking, but he's doing this. This is Steve. Just swimming, doing laps. And the whole time he was swimming laps, we're kind of running around. We're getting staged out, you know, set up and stuff, getting chairs and some tables out there and some food set up. And people were starting to arrive. The whole time, Steve's just in the pool like this. And he was just watching us silently. And we say, hey, how's it going, man? This is Steve, just doing constantly for like 20 minutes, just doing this, back and forth, back and forth. Eventually comes time, we're getting the service started, you know, we're starting to, to, to pray a bit, we're praying, and then we're going to get in the pool and baptize some people, and we're talking to everybody, and uh, we're not really quite sure what to do with Steve. And I say, hey, uh, buddy, um, listen, we, uh, we kind of reserved the pool, we're going to do some baptisms now, so um, you probably need to hop out of the pool, if that's all right. This is Steve. Let's <laughs> see. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, well, uh, okay, so maybe just swim your laps over on that side of the pool, and we'll baptize on this side. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. So, all right, keep swimming, buddy. You go right ahead. So we do our whole baptismal service, and as we're baptizing people, there's Steve. Watch me, we get baptized. Then the food came out. As soon as the food came out, Steve was out of the pool. Hey, he was up there, he was up there, he's eating hot dogs, drinking root beer, having a good time. And the only words we could get out of Steve that night was hot dog, root beer. And we was like, so what's your name? Hot dog, root beer. Okay, um, so where do you live? Hot dog, root beer. All right, great. <laughs> Making progress here. So we, we love on Steve and hang out with him for a while. And the very end, in his broken way, he tries to communicate to us that it's his birthday. And next weekend, he wants to invite all of us to his birthday party at his house right over there. Like, oh, there's like a lot of people here. <laughs> you don't even know us, you know? No, no, he wants to buy all of us to a birthday party. I'm like, okay. So during the week, I call one of the guys, the leader of train. Listen, there's no way all of us can go to this guy's birthday party, right? You know, so, you know, who's doing it or whatever happened. So, but let's you and I go and just see. 
So I remember myself and Andre, one of the guys, we show up at the birthday party, and there's Steve and all his mates, and they are singing Blue Moon and Elvis songs and dancing, and his refrigerator is full of hot dogs and root beer. <laughs> all righty. That's the day we find out his name is Steve. We find out a story and who he is. Steve starts coming to our church regularly. Every week, he needs a ride. Every week, he says, hey, pick me up, pick me up. So we pick him up for a ride. We, had, we, we served donuts and things after the end of the, the, the church, and we'd, we'd serve these donuts, and, and uh, Steve would, like, gorge himself on donuts. <sighs> Right? And after a while, we found out, we thought it was just me, and then Andre just thought it was just him, and then another thought it was just them, the ones who gave him a ride home. But we realized after a while that every single time, almost every time, Steve would get a ride home, he got car sick because he had all the donuts. And he'd be sitting in the backseat of your car, you're driving home, and he'd go, I get sick, all in the back of your car, right about the time he's getting out. And so you pull up in his driveway, and he goes, okay, bye. He hops out and goes to his house. <laughs> And he's left all the stuff in your backseat of your car. <laughs> this happened pretty consistently with both of us, right? To the point where we're like, you're picking up Steve. I'm not picking up Steve. You pick up Steve. I'm not picking him up. You pick him up. You know? <laughs> but every single week, Steve would call. I need to ride. Okay, Steve, we'll be by there. And every single week, we'd go by and pick him up. Steve, at one time, Vanessa and I were away. Steve would come to our church for a while, quite a while at that point. And Vanessa and I were traveling somewhere to some other churches. And we had been gone about two weeks. And we came home. And the night we got home, we'd been home maybe an hour or so, maybe not even that long, really. And the phone rang, and I picked up the phone, and it was Steve. I said, hey, hello. He said, hey, Steve. I said, oh, hey, Steve. Hey, so glad you called, buddy. So good to hear your voice. I miss you. I love you. Ah, oh, buddy, love you too. Okay, bye. <laughs> that was the first call I got home. Come to find out, Steve had been calling my house every single day we were gone until we came home. Every single day, just to make sure we got home okay. This was Steve. Steve was an amazing guy. Steve became a believer because of the life that we were living in the Scripture. Eventually, Steve came to us one time. We were doing baptismal service a year or so later. And he said, no, I do this. I said, but we're baptizing now. Do you? I do this. So I quickly went to the other guys and said, well, guys, I'm not sure. He, does he fully understand what the gospel of Jesus that the reality is? He wants this life. He, he may not understand everything, but he wants this. That's all that's required. Okay, great, Steve, come on in. Well, you got to baptize Steve that night in a, po- in a pool at a hotel <laughs> where we're meeting at. All because the life we were living was this biblical life, what the Scripture told us to do. And as we lived that, there was life in it. And life was attraction. There's spirit is behind it. There's authority behind it. The second thing, what does it do? What does the Bible do? First thing is it's offensive. See, most of us, and we'll get to this in a second, most of us think it's just only defensive. You know how I know that? Because you only read it when you get in trouble. <laughs> oh, man, today was a crappy day. Let me read the Bible. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> oh, man, I'm in deep trouble now. Better run to the Bible. Oh, I've really blown up my life. I've blown things up. Things are going crazy. I better read the Bible. Oh, I'm feeling terrible today. I better read the Bible. And we only run to the Scripture when it's defensive, when we're running away from something. Because we don't understand the full impact of it being an offensive weapon. It's a sword. It is there to attack spiritual forces and enemies around us. The whole scripture we've looked at for the last few weeks in the Drip series, the Ephesians Passage, is about spiritual warfare. That there are things happening in the spiritual that we don't begin to see and understand. I know that's like blowing some of your heads. That's okay. <laughs> but the things happening regularly around us in the spiritual we don't begin to understand. And the way to fight it is scriptural. Reading, engaging, studying the Bible. I realized this first when, same time we were playing the church there in Moorhead City, starting the church there, and I was about 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and I was reading a book about healing. 
I come to this, is this a healing thing, you know? I've never seen anybody healed. I'm not sure if it's real or not. People talk about it. People around me talk about it, but I've never seen it or experienced it. I'm not sure. I was reading this old school book. It was an old book somebody given me. And it wasn't the stuff that the guy was saying in the book, but he had one section where he was just quoting scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture on healing. It was like several pages of scripture around healing. And I remember it was late at night, and something inside of me, as I read that scripture after scripture after scripture about healing, God's word, this life-giving presence of, his, uh, of Jesus right here, got inside of me and unlocked something in me. I remember being on the couch, like hanging out reading my book, and went, oh my gosh, it's real. I remember jumping up in the bed, uh, jumping up on the couch, running down the bedroom going, Van, Van, babe, this, this, it's real. Bring healing. Let me read it. It's real. It can happen. It can happen. And something was inside of me, lit a spark inside of me. His word came inside of me and changed me. It put me on the offensive. Rather than running away and just waiting until things got bad to read scripture, rather than teaching scripture from the point of hope and think bad things don't happen to you, we started engaging scripture that, hey, it can change your life for the good. It can push you forward in life, not just keep you from going backwards. It can actually heal your body. It can be an offensive weapon against the enemy. And it's from that day that we saw multiple miracles begin happening. From that point, we've seen literally the dead raised, seen blind eyes healed. A friend of mine sitting beside me, deaf ear opened, sitting right beside me when it happened. <laughs> Healing's a real thing. Scripture tells it is. Some of you don't believe it. Maybe you don't believe it because you haven't actually read it in the Bible. Maybe you don't believe anything about Jesus or what we're doing here because you haven't read anything in the Bible. Scripture is the tool you use to go after things. The tool you use to fight spiritual battles. Not just defensive, but offensively. Before things get bad, you soak yourself in Scripture. That's why we talk about reading the scripture daily. It's not just when something gets bad, you read it. You read it when things are going well because you're, you're offensively, you're, you're putting inside of you to fight. You're putting it inside of you to teach and train you. You're putting it inside of you so you're on the front foot of life, not always on the back waiting for things to go wrong. Our family has seen miracle after miracle after miracle. We've seen financial miracles. We've seen physical miracles. We've seen spiritual miracles of people's lives being changed that we've prayed for for years. All because the scripture is true. Is it, is, it, is it scientifically perfect? No. <laughs> it's not a science book. Is it historically accurate what it speaks about? It is. But it doesn't speak about necessarily, it doesn't speak about, like, I don't know, it doesn't speak about uh, all the Roman Empire and every detail of it. Just parts of it, right? It's not a history book to study like that. Is it accurate on math? Well, 2 plus 2 still equals 2 in the Bible, or 4 in the Bible. <laughs> but see, the beautiful thing about math in the Scripture is that it lined up scientifically. Because it talks about multiplying. It talks one can put 1,000, two can put 10,000 to, to chase 10,000 away. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense when the widow, the lady who's lost her family, who's lost her husband, she has nothing left. She's got a little tiny mite, a few pennies basically. And she gives that as an offering, as a sacrifice to God. And when she gives that, it means more to God than the wealthy person who gives the million dollars. That doesn't make sense. How's that? Why? Why? Math doesn't make sense in the Bible. It's not a math book. It's a spiritual book. I encourage you, make the Bible offensively active in your life. 
Not just a strategy of running to it when you're in trouble, but run to it consistently, daily. Get it inside of you, marinating in it like a good steak. You ever marinated a good piece of steak, right? Like if you're making, if you're making uh, tacos the night before, you actually need to take the flank steak and soak it overnight. You know that, right? You soak it in orange juice and spices and all kinds of stuff. You soak it overnight so it, it flavors the meat. It marinates in it. It sits in it. And it gets inside that meat. And no matter where you eat that meat, you're going to taste the flavors from the night it's soaked in the marinade. The, the, the marinade. In the same way, we are to soak ourselves in the Scripture. We sing songs about it. We sing songs, scriptural songs. Some of the songs we actually sing here on Wednesday nights are actually Scripture. You don't even know that. <laughs> They're actually Scripture we're singing. We're really getting silos, marinating. We're like becoming good pieces of steak. I'm just a piece of meat. That's all I am. <laughs> we want it to get inside of us and flavor our lives. So when people come close to us, they go, man, you're spicy. No, no, no. <laughs> when people get close to us, they realize something's different. It's not just another person who talks about Jesus. There's a reality of him inside of you, in your life. There's a reality of the scripture being alive. And the last thing, it is defensive. It is defensive. When tough times come, run to the scripture. When it's a difficult day, run to the scripture. When your life's falling apart, run to the scripture. There's a reality to that. It is a good defensive weapon. There's nothing wrong with that. We want to be defensive. We also want to be offensive. And the best way to do both is have it with you continuously, reading it continuously. So my challenge is this tonight. I'll walk completely off my notes, and that's absolutely fine. challenge is this. Are you reading the Scripture? Will it be boring sometimes? Yep. Absolutely will. It'll be boring at times. Will it be amazing at times? Absolutely it will. There'll be times... It'll blow your mind. There'll be times when you read scripture here, that morning at night you read scripture, and the very next day or the very, during the day, something will happen. You go, oh, that's that scripture right there. <laughs> God was speaking to me before this ever happened. Exactly. Offensively preparing you to engage. But only if you're in it regularly. How do you know your best friends? How do you know your friends? Do you not talk to them? Try not talking to your friends for three weeks and see what happens. Some of you couldn't do it, number one. <laughs> try, try not talking to your friends for six hours, even, some of you, okay? Because I know you're on your phone at night. <laughs> right? okay. You can't even not talk to your friend for six hours. And what happens as you talk to them? You get to know them. You understand their likes, their wants, their desires in life, what makes them mad, what makes them happy. You become close. This is part of talking to God right here. It's letting him talk to you. See, prayer is us saying, yeah, this and this thing and this thing and this thing. And sometimes God's going, hey, shh, hey, shh, hey, 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 shh. Let me speak. I got something to tell you. Are you letting him speak? Are you letting him speak? I want to encourage you if you're here tonight, and maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe church has just been a culture thing for you. Christianity has just been a culture thing for you. Can I encourage you tonight to... Maybe be really brave and take a step forward to pursue Jesus. Because it takes bravery. It's easy to stand back and point fingers when you don't know Jesus. That's the easy part of life. That's the defensive part. Ah, ha, ha. I'm just point fingers and laugh. But it's much more difficult 
place to lean in and go, all right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue. I'm going to see if Jesus is really real. Can I ask you maybe, if you don't know Jesus tonight, maybe tonight's the night you want to accept Jesus. That's okay. If you don't, that's okay. Can I ask you when you get home, pull out a Bible, the old dusty Bible around your house somewhere, or on your phone, find a Bible app. Ideally, not your phone, because your friends are going to be talking to you while you're trying to talk to Jesus, okay? Because <laughs> the messages keep coming through. But find somewhere and just start reading the Bible and just see what happens. Not just one time, by the way. It's like, yeah, I talked to the person five minutes. I don't like them. You don't know. You think you know. I've been walking with Jesus, and I realize today when I'm praying this message, I've been walking with Jesus for 40 years this year. 40 years. Hasn't always been perfect. I've certainly messed up my life royally at times. But every time I can think that I've engaged this word, it's changed my life. And every time I, can, every time I know that I'm in line with what God's doing, it's when I'm reading the scripture consistently. Because I'm hearing his voice consistently. And it keeps me in a good place. It keeps my family in a good place. Doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. But I'm always ready. Because I've got the sword of his spirit. Power and authority of Jesus. Maybe you are a Christian here tonight and you haven't been reading consistently and regularly. It's okay. Grace. But let's start. Let's start. Maybe every day is too much to start with. Every day, man, that's a lot every single day. Well, you talk to your friends every day. <laughs> but maybe every day is too much. Maybe it's a bit step too far for you. All right, make it every other day. Just start with every, every other day. Just start there. Just find a consistent space in your life to engage the scripture. And see what starts to happen. If you don't know where to start, ask some friends. Ask a small group leader. Come ask me. We'll give you some places to start. Want some good stories to read? It's always good to read stories. Better than just like random scriptures, right? Read some stories. Understand the story. See what Jesus is really doing in a moment. Those are great places to start. But I trust you start somewhere. My encouragement is that every single one of us in this room tonight would engage scripture in the days and weeks ahead. Santa, but you keep talking about Jesus changing lives. Now you're talking about scripture. Well, it's actually the same. The Bible actually says that Jesus is this Bible in the flesh. It tells us that in John. John 1.1 1, 1 says, The Word became flesh, and the flesh and the Word walked among us. This Word became a living human being, and it walked among us. That's why Jesus and, and the Bible are together, the same. You want to get to know Jesus, really understand Him, you've got to read the Bible. You want to follow Jesus? You kind of need to read the Bible. If you're not reading the Scripture, it's kind of like a soldier without a sword. I'm ready to fight! And everybody else has got swords. <laughs> right? Not much good. Okay? really get to know Jesus, you want to really be a believer and have strength in your life, have a much better life, be ready to fight when the battle's there, be ready to go through difficult times, submersing yourself in the scripture. Let's stand, guys. I've seen the scripture heal people's lives. I've seen the scripture bring physical healing to people's bodies. We've got students here that have been healed. Isaiah, playing guitar over there, been healed twice. He's at his limit already. He had enough miracles. We've seen it. We've seen God heal his body twice. Two different things. Big things, not small things. We've seen God do miracles. We're continually seeing God do miracles. There's an urgency in my heart for some of you tonight to start getting serious about your faith. 
coming into Christmas, a great time, great, one of my favorite times of the year. Presents and Christmas stuff and carols playing everywhere and amazing candy everywhere, okay? It's a great time of year. What better time of year to say, all right, Jesus, time to stop playing games. Maybe your life is pretty good. It's pretty easy right now. It's the best time to get to know Jesus. Maybe it's tough. Your life is crap right now. Great time to get to know Jesus. Just a moment, probably all going to come forward, and we're going to close in a song, a response song. As we sing this response song, I want to encourage you to make a commitment in your heart to start pursuing Jesus regularly through reading Scripture. If you need any help in that, leaders in this room, friends of yours, myself, anything we can do to help you. Father, we pray tonight that tonight would be a place maybe where we rededicate our life. Tonight is a life we get in line with your path. Father, my heart, your heart is that every single person in this room, every single student in this room would see the miraculous happen over and over and over again. That your word would encounter them and transform them and change lives around them over and over and over again. That your word would take them on the greatest adventure of their life. That they would experience the authority of your word, the power of your word, and the life-giving breath of your word. This is our prayer tonight, Jesus. You would encounter us. In Jesus' name, amen.